0: Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, and I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida.
3: And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I am in Norman, Oklahoma. God, that still seems weird to say.
0: Uh, <laughs> You've been Sorry. there a little while.
3: <laughs> I know. It's just not, I never thought I'd be saying that. Uh, you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 17th, episode 2458, brought to you by State Line Tack. Good morning, Horse World. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day.
1: It's
0: Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we go again. And away we go. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Jamie, I have a special surprise for you this morning. Uh Uh-oh. Did you see who our veterinary guest is going to be?
3: Oh, my gosh. Can I just tell you... How excited I am to talk (laughs) to Dr. Jones. I mean, it's been forever, and she was right there at the beginning. I found out, Glenn, she was on our show in the second month. We started in November 2010. Her first episode was December 15th, 2010.
0: So for new listeners, for longtime listeners, you're going to know exactly who Dr. Jones was because she came on every Wednesday with us, just about every Wednesday for years. 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 And then she got sick of us and moved on. But, uh, or uh, thehorse.com
3: got sick of us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, but for new listeners, she was, a, we didn't have a rotating, we really didn't have rotating guests back then as far as vets are concerned on Wednesdays. We had Dr. Jones because she came, th- thehorse.com was our sponsor back then. And we worked with them on getting a veterinary guest and Dr. Jones was the one and we loved her so much. We, she just would come on every Wednesday and put up with our crap.
3: If you go back and listen to the show, like the first one, you will realize what terrible sound quality we had back then. So don't <laughs> judge. That was just the only way we could have a live podcast was to to use this. Yeah, we were a little ahead of the curve audio. on that. <laughs> so. Yeah, nobody was doing it. This company was like, well, I can figure it out, and it sounds like we're on talk. AM radio from 1942.
0: And, and you were just outside the range of the radio station. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> exactly. People would go, what do you do for a living? And I would, I had nothing. I'm out of work right now because I didn't want anybody to listen. It was embarrassing. And now here we are. I remember the first time, Glenn, that we ever had 100 listeners. We had 100 Live listeners to one show And we're so excited I know,
0: we were so excited that I'm anybody excited. was listening but <laughs> I
3: can't believe anybody listens now So what are we talking about? I'm still excited Anyway, yes, Dr. Jones is going to come on Who else? It's another special guest today
0: too. Yeah, so we've been prom- promising you Stanford Moore from Black Reigns Magazine Who who they come on once a month And have for the last couple of years on our show But he's been so busy doing interviews Since, uh, since all of this Has started to happen But today he's coming on with us He loves coming on the show, so he's going to stop by and talk about diversity in the horse world and all the interviews he's been doing in the last couple of weeks. And as I said, the Horse Nutrition Podcast health segment is Dr. Denny Jones, and she's going to be talking about navicular bursitis. I have no clue, but that's why she's coming on, because she's going to give us a clue. And It's then, just
3: something else to worry about.
0: I, I, that's one I don't know that we've ever talked about before. And then the trickery wealth financial segment, we address methods of giving money to your heirs. All of that on today's show.
3: Ooh, can I send that to people? <laughs> yes, send that to your
0: dad uh, and your mom. That's the one you want to give that to. And then uh, also, uh, we have other, we talked about some news on Monday regarding whip use in racing, and you have an update.
3: I do. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Kentucky is joining California and restricting the use of whips. However, it's not likely to go into effect until next season. And these new rules would limit riders to six uses of the whip. All right. Get a pen. Yeah. <laughs> Jockeys, write this down. Limit riders to the six uses of the whip after the first furlong is run with no more than two strikes in succession without giving the horse an opportunity to respond. And it would also allow riders to use the whip to, quote, avoid a dangerous dangerous situation that may harm another horse or rider with the stewards being blah, 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 at least it's a start. It's but, a start.
0: The, this just goes to prove it's it's similar, but not exactly like the one in California. They no. really need to make this a entire country thing so that, uh, you know, I will feel bad for the jockeys as they're going to ride at a different track and going, okay, what do I have to remember at this track? And it, it does become... It becomes muscle memory, right? What you're doing. So, for them to have to adjust that every state they go into is going to be different, I can see that. I'd be on the jockey side and arguing that's not good. Yeah. So, you know
3: what they could do to fix all of it? It's just, I don't know, get rid of the whip. I what knew
0: that doing? was going to be your answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, it
3: makes no sense to hit a horse while it's running as fast as it possibly can. Okay. Sorry. Carrying on. I do not- think,
0: though, that a uniform policy across the country would be a better approach. <laughs> but we're getting somewhere. At least now it's starting to happen. And hey, man,
3: this Kentucky—we got states' rights. Okay, we can do whatever we want in Kentucky because <laughs> hey,
0: it's Kentucky. I'm we shocked. Don't need to to Kentucky's number searching. two on this. Actually, I think that the racing industry is finally waking up and realizing. They've gotta do something to improve the visuals here.
3: We gotta follow them hippies in California yeah. <laughs> and start limiting some some whip hitting.
0: And we both <laughs> lived in Lexington, so uh, <laughs> we know what it's like to live there. All right, let's do some Daily Wendys before we get in total trouble here. <laughs> All right. My Daily Winnie is a big congratulations. The first one to Auditor Rosie and her new baby. She had a new, brand new, very cute baby. So congratulations, Rosie. Rosie have, have has a few kids. When we, she came down and visited us, her son was maybe 10 or 11. and that So he's got to be 16 or 17 now. I think so. the
3: same time she had the baby, her son graduated high school. I'm so like, good luck with go that, drunk. Rosie. <laughs> you have a journey ahead of you, but um, I am jealous because the baby was only six pounds. And like that seems unfair. Can you
0: imagine when Lucas is 16, 17 starting over?
3: That I need you to <laughs> take that back. Pack, slap yourself in the left side of your face right now. Okay. Okay,
0: well, let's move on. Never
3: ever. Happy birthday. Happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday to Auditor Robin Donahue, our only birthday for uh, from Texas, and a fellow cruiser and her daughters were along. I miss them. Tell them I miss them, Robin. We had so much fun on the cruise. So we're looking forward to seeing you guys again someday when we're all out. out. But uh, your turn.
3: Daily Winnie goes to uh, y'all know that I have a horse, uh, a dog. All my dogs are we named know after you have a horses. horse too. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I have uh, horses, but all my dogs are named after racehorses. And Zenyatta, she is a border collie looking. She's an English shepherd, which is like an American version of a border collie, right? So she has she's such a good family dog. She was great with Lucas as a baby. But since we've moved from Arizona to Oklahoma, there's something that she just doesn't understand. And she just doesn't understand why there are little things that look just like her running around in the fields. And she runs up to them. And again, she's colored like a border collie. So she runs up She's like friend and then she runs up to it and gets sprayed in the face by what isn't, I, she just doesn't understand what a skunk is, but <laughs> I mean, three times in the past three weeks, uh, this dog has been blasted and she is a long haired border collie and she's hates being dirty. She hates getting a bath. She hates everything else. So it is a, it's a battle to <laughs> bathe this dog. And of course you have to get him in the face and like, I got that nature's miracle stuff, which is legit miracle. It's amazing. Um. Thanks to the listeners for letting me know about that awesome product because I just had to buy my third bottle and it's on the way from Amazon. So uh, what are you it using? It's called Nature's Miracle and oh, it's yeah. some sort of m- nature miracle.
0: <laughs> they sell. <laughs> uh, they it. sell all other kinds of products too, like for getting pee smell out of your carpet and all that.
3: Well, let me tell you, I got to tell you that something good came out of this dog spray in the face by a skunk for the third time in three weeks because yesterday Chad was out mowing and he found the skunk and Zinny had killed
0: it. Oh, really? Wow. Yes,
3: she Killed it.
0: I'm like she finally got really mad.
3: (laughs) I'm I'm oddly proud and I'm oddly frightened that she did that. I don't know how to feel about it, but the fact that there's one less skunk out there because we have, we have a problem. And I don't know if it's just this one that's been a problem. Now the problem is my entire like pasture smells like skunk because there's just it.
0: It's just got everywhere. It's like
3: (laughs) when somebody hits one with their car and you drive by six months later and you're like, oh my god. (laughs) Somebody hit a skunk. There's
0: no way the good way to get rid of a skunk. You can catch them in the trap, but when you go to pick up the trap, you're getting sprayed. There's no, just th- no you good way.
3: It. You can't it. I called somebody and to find out and they're like, All right, here's how it's gonna go. We we charge a hundred dollars. Well, we charge you eighty five dollars just to come out for the first time. We'll set some traps, and then after that, what's gonna happen is we catch when we charge a hundred dollars a skunk. Yeah, because so it's every, a pain in the ass. <laughs> every skunk we catch, we don't charge you another hundred and then we we charge $85 to come on out and I'm like what is this I mean we have we might have 3,000 here I don't know I'm like how and apparently there's a magical way that you take well what you got to do is you pick up a blanket and you walk towards the skunk and they won't spray the blanket coming at them and then you throw the blanket over them and then you put them in the back of your truck oh yeah that, that can't
0: go wrong any and which I was way like,
3: Trap (laughs) and he goes, Don't peek in there underneath that blanket because they'll get you. They'll get you. They know when you're coming. I'm like, What is that? Okay, you know what? It might be worth three thousand dollars. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I didn't hire him.
0: (laughs) You just got Zenny on the job. That's
3: I've got Zenny on the job. Way to go, girl. She's just doing
0: what she was trained to do, and she really got pissed that she got squirted again. She's like, That's it. That's I'm done with you.
3: I just the high prayed protective. I don't know. I don't know what. What it is I there's I've been well, given at least lots he, of reasons there is one that. good
0: thing like most dogs they like to bring their quarry back and show you she at least didn't do that
3: uh uh-uh, no she did not I think she, she I think she probably just uh, like ran into it or something I mean <laughs> there was no blood on her there was no like tussle I think she just sprinted after it saw it bam hit it and probably like broke its neck that's probably what happened and it and as she hit <laughs> so it so did it, it he
0: bury the skunk to get rid of it
3: You know what? We haven't talked about that yet. I do know that there was a large population of buzzards out in my pasture yesterday. (laughs) Well, maybe it's gone.
0: Sometimes I just pick it up and carry it away.
3: Pretty sure it's too late for that, That just shows
0: (laughs) you what's... I mean, buzzards can sense. They can smell that, they say, from like two, three miles away. They can smell carrion from a long way away. Yet their noses are not bothered by the other smell that this (laughs) guy puts out. I don't get it.
3: I'm sorry. I still contend that those are the most incredible creatures. On the planet, like they're just such amazing birds. I find that people think they're gross. I'm like, they're awesome. Their face is designed to not have things stick to it when they put their face in dead animal bodies. <laughs> and, and we
0: apologize for anybody eating apart. right now. We're going to continue. We're going to move on. Let's just Guns move on.
3: Buzzard. That's what we're <laughs> <talking>. Cheers, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: have about we have about uh, we have about we only have a couple of minutes. Uh, do you have time for your list, or you want to you want to do something? Yeah, we else? can
3: do this because it, I. You got to zip through it because this is so cool. It's 22. I hope Chad's not listening because he might be getting some things on this list. I don't know. I looked
0: at the list. I really don't (laughs) want (laughs) to.
3: This list comes from the Huffington Post and it's 22 weird Father's Day gifts.
0: Is that that this weekend?
3: Yeah, it's Sunday. Your dad wants more than what you're actually going to give him. So basically, they're like, return the crap you bought. He doesn't want a tie and get him something like this. By the way,
0: we don't wear ties anymore. Just throwing that out there. Most you of us don't. do not. No, your well, husband does, airline, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. But does he pilot. have a like a, a regular tie? He has to wear like a formal uh, uniform tie.
3: Yes, but at Christmas he got to wear a Santa tie. <laughs> 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 that man has gone to work every day of his life in a uniform. It just it it, it makes God. no sense to me.
0: Last time I'll I tied have... a tie was on the cruise on formal night, and it took me like forty five attempts to remember how to tie the tie.
3: Jennifer's like, turn around, I know how to do a, 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 you know, a western saddle. (laughs) That's how I do think about the ties. Tie like a western saddle. Um, merman tail. Would your dad like to make a big splash this summer? (laughs) It's a merman tail. Wear that around the pool.
0: There's a picture of a guy in a mermaid tail. Oh, my God.
3: It's a merman tail, Glenn. (laughs) And it's like from his waist all the way down, it has flippers and, um...
0: Yeah, that'd be a short divorce. If you're looking at getting rid of your horse husband, uh, who's also a father, buy him one of those.
3: Okay, this next one is fantastic it's luggage that you can put their face on. (laughs) So it's airport luggage. You know, if you're at the airport luggage terminal and you're trying to get your bag, uh, there's going to be a bag coming around and there's no mistaking whose it is. And the thing is people have done is take really embarrassing photos and put them like there's a guy sleeping in a chair with his mouth open, like catching flies. And that's the photo that they
0: put. Nobody's going to be stealing this luggage. That's for damn sure. <laughs> no.
3: Next one is earbuds, but they make your ears look like Vulcan ears. I mean, who doesn't want to look like Mr. Spock? Uh, <laughs> there's a um, stretchy Donald Trump doll. Anybody? <laughs> Did your dad want this more than uh, Jean-Luc Picard, a facepalm sculpture? Is anybody really into like the Star Trek stuff? Uh there's a beef jerky bouquet. It looks like a bouquet of flowers, but <laughs> it's all dead. It's
0: cow. beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: wrapped up. Uh, uh, it
0: does not, by the way, it kind of looks like flowers. It is not attractive looking.
3: No, it's no. it's brown and pretty gnarly looking. Yeah. <laughs> um there is a Joe Namath action figure, and they clearly state that it's not a doll. <laughs>
0: Is he in tights? Only old people remember that.
3: Uh, he, he looks like he's wearing um, a tracksuit. What is the no. thing over
0: his shoulders? Those are not shoulder pads. I don't. It looks like those things that you put on when you're having a heart attack, and it goes. That's what it looks like. I don't know what that's. Well,
3: about. if it is shoulder pads, they've really got it wrong because they're supposed to go under.
0: Yeah, injuries. they're more like boot pads in this case. I don't. Oh
3: my <laughs> god, I need to have this. The next one is a ta- uh, When I make tacos here at the house, Lucas has a taco. St- we call it the Taco Ceratops, and it's like a Triceratops, and it has slots in its back for tacos. Oh, so the taco
0: doesn't fall over. <laughs>
3: yes, yeah. and this is a unicorn taco holder. <laughs> Instead of the Taco Ceratops, it's the unicorn taco holder. Uh,
0: Babe, it looks like a My, My Little, little Pony unicorn taco holder is what it looks like.
3: Uh, here's the here's the the part they didn't really plan for is it's actually real plastic hair on it, and that's going to get, get in, your in your taco. taco. Yeah, how are you going to wash that? <laughs> I don't um, know. The ceratops does not have any fake hair. I do
0: not want this, by the way. I'm not a dad, but I do not want this.
3: Yes, you do. It's a tuxedo onesie. And if you, I mean, it says party and it says formal all together. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, hold on. Here's the description. Who said style and comfort were mutually exclusive? Not the person who decided to make this tuxedo onesie. Doing the bare minimum never felt so classy.
0: Let me look how much this thing costs. Fifty nine ninety five for the tuxedo Shh. jumpsuit.
3: <laughs> I mean, come on. Why wouldn't you want oh. that? Do you know how much tuxedos are?
0: It's oh, By the way, the website where you can buy this is tipsyelves.com. My right. guess is we could do a whole show just looking through the products at tipsyelves.com. That's my oh, guess. That sounds
3: great. Now, I'm going <laughs> to wrap it up with this one, our last one, because it's horsey. A jar of preserved horse poop. Why? Each jar has one little fecal ball in it. And Why? let me point out that this is from, for those race fans, Silver Charm. Silver Charm! The famous racehorse Silver Charm who uh, was in the Derby in 97 and, I mean, come on. You need a silver charm fecal ball in a jar for Father's Day, right?
0: <sighs> Why did we come up with this idea? I could have sold scooter poop, and you could have sold Zeus poop, and we could have made a fortune.
3: Um, Except our horses didn't win the Derby. Oh, Yeah, but they're <laughs> very
0: popular, very popular horses. The thing is, no horse pe- person's going to actually buy horse poop. No, so we're the no. wrong audience for this. So
3: why would How much yeah. are
0: they asking for this? Let me look that up. <laughs> yeah, click on that. Okay. Um, um, so the horse poop is going to cost you there's no price on it. Um, I don't see a price. I mean he's like it's like It's like it is expensive. free.
3: It's like it's free. Because they realize what's the point? Nobody's going to
0: buy that. Oh, hey, wait a minute. I found the online shop. $200. <gasps> Stop it. Preserved Kentucky Derby horse turd. Uh,
3: $200. That cannot be. Okay, well, I'm going to end on that one. <laughs> no thing is going to do Babe, you want a $200 piece of horse poop from Silver Charm who won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness and just lost by a nose for the Belmont? Ooh, yeah, he the uh,
0: Belmont. They be said it. if he
3: w- would have won the Belmont, he'd have taken it, but No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's go on. We have to we have to we have to move on here. All right, so we're going to I um we're going to now here yeah, I'm seeing if we have time for this or we're gonna have to rearrange the show a bit. Uh so let's do this. Um I don't want to go to Dr. Jones late. So let's do let's do our chicory wealth after Dr. Jones before we get to before we get to Stanford. Let's do it okay. that way. You have some weird news for us, right?
3: I do, I do.
0: So let's do it that way. Let's do Weird News next, and then uh, we'll just rearrange the show here a bit, because we went a little long talking about preserved $200 horse poop. And you need... Yeah,
3: I mean, get started. I'm trying. All right, well, the beaches are opening up in Texas, and uh, despite... Uh, coronavirus. The beaches have been opened, and there was a big party. It's an annual thing, and it's called the Go Topless Jeep Weekend. What could possibly go wrong in a weekend on the beach with a bunch of people who haven't been, been locked there in for their this houses? One? <laughs> been locked in their houses for two months, Glenn. I have not made it to the Go Topless Jeep Weekend, but apparently, it was a little crazier than normal. There was at least. 180 people arrested (laughs) at the go topless beach weekend. Beachgoer Chelsea Coyer told Galveston affiliate affiliate KBMT in a news report. We've been in quarantine and like I needed to get out and party. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Coyer claimed she was taking precautions to keep from getting the coronavirus by washing her hands for 20 seconds, but the station captured video of the event. This is the actual news thing. The station video of the event captured lots of people twerking without masks.
0: (laughs) That sounds like it should be a (laughs) t-shirt.
3: I'm going to continue down and skip through this. Who wrote this? They need to be fired because... This is the this is a paragraph. All told, more than 180 attendees were taken into custody for numerous unrelated crimes. Two people were shot. <laughs> and and also people were arrested uh, the 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 unrelated crimes. It also included assault. Now remember people have been shot, assaulted, the next thing that they list is driving without wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> driving while intoxicated in public drunkenness. Um, only 80 people are, were arrested in 2019. So they have stepped up their game. Um, well, you and- know, I got to
0: go back to the torkers because, to be honest, there's no proof that you get it from that end. So I think you're good. You mm, can because tw- twerking, you're not face to face. No, right? no, that's correct. See, that's I why like, I think you're safe that way.
3: What news organization uses the word like twerking as a verb? I mean, that's not a verb. <laughs> like they were twerking
0: without masks. I think that is without a t-shirt. Out. We could make a fortune. Two hundred dollars each. Throw in some horse poop. Throw <laughs> in some, some scooter poop, poop. We're we're we'll good to go. You. <laughs>
3: All right, we're leaving uh, Texas, and now we're going to head to Fort Myers, Florida, because there was a problem in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, A juvenile, 250-pound black bear spent a good portion of Tuesday morning just walking around the Gulf Coast city. Wildlife officials say bears tend to move more in the spring in search of mates and, you know, food. Uh, So uh, apparently it's a very congested area, and tranquilizing the bear wasn't an option and the drugs don't always work immediately on large animals such as bears. So it, it, he says the, the police official or wildlife official says, when we tranquilize the bear, sometimes they'll run away. We don't want to take any chance of it running into traffic or a residential area. So, how did they catch the bear, Glenn? What did they do? I don't they, know. They went to Krispy Kreme Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically, you know, in the movie E.T. when he yes. follows the Reese's yes. Pieces.
0: They kept they dropping went, donuts. <laughs>
3: they kept dropping pieces of a donut, do Krispy Kreme donuts, into a trap. And they got him to come into the trap by following Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> You're welcome, people.
0: <laughs> donuts are out there. I would have to have Dunkin' though. I'm not a Krispy Kreme fan. I would have had to have Dunkin' too follow that trail. So. I think
3: that um, a bear is going to follow any sort of sugary <laughs> yeah, fried That's bread. True. That is true. I don't think they're going to have a problem. <laughs>
0: that is true. Do you have one? I have time for one more. You have one more? I,
3: I got more. I got more. One more. I mean, you get to choose. Do you want boy six cracks open robbery case by reeling in sunken safe from the lake? Or do you want man fake wife, man faked wife's disappearance so she'd avoid prison?
0: Uh, I gotta go with the safe. I want to see what was in it.
3: Oh, uh, no, no, no. You've chose the wrong one because <laughs> basically it's all in there. And he found like some, it was like some joy. They didn't crack anything. It was just a lady's safe. She had been robbed. Um. And then he is a magnet fishing. Apparently that's a thing. Magnet fishing in a South Carolina lake. And he caught the box. They brought it up and it was some credit cards and some old jewelry. Oh, and that's so all. She, and a checkbook. So apparently well, that's somebody good with stole the other business. story now that you've okay. told that one. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was going to do anyway. <laughs> um, man faked wife's disappearance so she'd avoid prison. This is in, you're going to be shocked, West Virginia. We're going to move to West Virginia. A West Virginia woman and her husband faked her disappearance by pretending she plummeted from an overlook as part of a scheme to keep her out of having to go to prison. Julie Wheeler and Rodney Wheeler were arrested Tuesday on multiple charges, including conspiracy and giving false information. Uh, She was reported missing Sunday by her husband and their 17-year-old son. The family claimed that Julie had fallen from the main overlook at the New River River gorge national river and um apparently authorities searched for her for days and they found her tuesday alive and well hiding in a closet in her home
0: (laughs) (laughs) they didn't work real hard at it did they
3: (laughs) i do want to tell you what she was getting arrested for originally that decided to oh by the way they did work hard apparently they threw some of her items her belongings over the the ledge. Apparently, Rodney Wheeler and his son planted items at the Grandview Overlook to fake her disappearance. <laughs> so apparently she was selling uh, pills illegally. <laughs> she was in a pill mill. They call those pill mills in West Virginia. Yeah. She was in a pill mill. <laughs> so uh, she's now, she's in jail.
0: Yeah, they, they found pasty. her in the closet. She didn't go far.
3: <laughs> I'm like, they found her. She's in her house. Hiding in the closet
0: <laughs> like a coward. <laughs>
3: there you go. That's it.
0: All right. StatelineTag.com. Go there right now. That 30% off pop-up window is still there. So, apparently, you can still get 30% off a lot of stuff. So, go to Stateline Tech right now. I did notice that they are having fly sheets and cool coats on sale right now. It is that fly sheet time of year. I don't know about you guys, but we have a lot of flies right now. Scooter's not liking it at all. So, uh they have the Amigo. They have Rambo fly sheets. They have the Amigo Evolution. Those are the really uh fun colored ones. They have... um I'm looking at here, they have them for up to 37% off. So when you look at the uh, Amigo Evolution fly sheet, they have that marked down 10% even. They have the Amigo Combo fly sheets marked down to uh, starting at $45. They have the Rambo protectors marked down. I mean, all of these different fly sheets are now marked down where you don't normally see them marked down at all, especially this time of year. Uh, They have the Vamoose no fly zone. We've talked about the Vamoose before. That's the one that Scooter wears marked down to 150 from 246. So the, these really are Markdown. Uh, and it looks like I went through a couple of them. It looks like they have most of the sizes right now as well. So go there right now. See if you can get that 30% off coupon that pops up. Uh, when. Uh, and if you don't see it, just pre- when it, while you're on the statelinetech.com page, just press, if you have a PC, press Control-F5, and that, uh, that forces a reboot of the page, and the, the pop-up should come up. So if you've been there recently and it doesn't show up, try that, and it'll give you the code. So, State Line Tack is where you want to go. They also have a whole bunch of other stuff right now. They have some Tough Rider breeches on sale for like in the $30 range. They have a really interesting thing. It's right on the homepage. It, it uh, is a whole section on Charles Owen helmets, and it really explains each type of the helmet and what it's used for and and why you should buy it. It's probably one of the best explanations I've ever seen of Charles Owen, Owen's different lines of helmets and, and who should get which line. So, that's on there, too. very informational. Uh, You can find it at Tac. Well, today's Horse Health Report is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics you all will love. It highlights the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given. (coughs) Excuse me. It's part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see them all.
3: I would I, like to... Well, are you going to get her on right now?
0: Yeah, I will. But uh, I, I just wanted to mention that a new episode hit last week. It was the Amazing okay. Horses at the Brave Hearts Therapy Center. And they're working with veterans doing some amazing work. And they do some interesting things that other uh, centers don't do. So you definitely want to take a listen to that. You can find the Horse Nutrition Podcast any place where you can find podcasts. Or go to com slash Rain. All right, let's get Dr. uh Denny Jones on.
3: Now, while you're calling her, I want to let everybody know that in the post-show for auditors only, I am in a dire situation and I need advice and help. So... Those of you that I, and I can't talk about it on the show. I can only talk about it to the auditors. So um, that is your tease for becoming an auditor and listening to the post show. Glenn puts up. He makes me stay on the air and talk to him uh, after the show. So <laughs> that is what we do. And so
0: that means whatever that conversation is about, I would have to cut it out of the regular show. She knows I wouldn't allow it in. So pretty much. Yeah. So we yeah. <laughs> pretty much. So, hopefully, we have Dr. Jones joining us here okay. shortly. Hi.
4: Florida Equine, this is Kim.
3: Hi, Kim. This is Jamie. Is Dr. Jones around to talk on the phone? Yes,
4: yeah, she sure is. She's waiting
3: on you guys. Hold on. I'm going to put you. you on hold, okay? Okay. Look at that. She's got people now. She
0: has people. We used to call her and get her directly. Now she has people. And she is with Florida Equine Veterinary Services in Claremont, Florida which is just south of Ocala here, not too far south of Ocala, between Ocala and Orlando. And she's trying to find a phone right now. We'll edit this part out.
3: We were doing good carrying time. I know, we were perfect. Let's hit the edit out version.
0: Dr. Jones, are you there?
3: We're on hold. She has people.
0: Hold on, live listeners.
4: Hello. Dr. Jones? It's so good to hear you guys
3: again. Oh, my gosh. We missed you so much. How is life? What are you up to?
4: (laughs) Well, like everybody else, quarantining and six feet uh, social distancing and washing my hands a lot. (laughs) That
3: sounds about right. Now, I started looking because it has been... You were on our show for a very long time, every week. And I, I did notice that now you have people, so you've stepped it up. Like you used to just answer the phone. Now you have people. <laughs> yeah.
0: But she at least I has would, one person. I mean, she has one yeah. person. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. The first time that you came on with us, you were here and it was December fifteenth, two thousand ten. Oh my God, we're all old now. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Can you believe that? And you know, do you What was the subject matter you talked about, Dr. Jones? Do you know? Come on. No, I
4: no idea.
3: <laughs> we talked about vaccines and briar horses on that episode. So
0: <laughs> We talked about vaccinating briar horse. horses. It sounds like us.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hard hitting. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So you guys have been very busy uh, down there in Florida, I'm sure, this time of year. It, it, does it start to let up with all the people going back north?
4: It does, but they went back north early this year, so it was a little scary. Um, they left, like, mid-March, and they don't leave until end of April.
3: So business has been kind of slow then.
4: It has, but it hasn't. It, um, it, it. I'll tell you. I had a dedicated all-day Ocala day on Wednesday. That day didn't fill up very fast for about three weeks, four weeks. So, yeah, Wednesday was kind of my catch-up day back then. And then it started picking up, and I think because people were using their horses around the house, they were starting to notice things. And some of them were not really furloughed, but they were kind of not fired but laid off but still getting paid from, like, Disney and Universal. So they would have me out. Mm -hmm.
3: That was kind of fun. Just to get to hang out with people and their horses. That's great. Well, we're going to talk a little bit today about something that, again, I don't think we've ever talked about uh, on the show, and it is navicular bursitis. And that is your area of expertise today, Dr. Jones. So so what the heck is navicular bursitis?
4: (laughs) How about we simplify it and talk about tennis elbow? People know what that is. I've
0: had that, and I played Glenn tennis for a long one. time. I had tennis elbow, and it hurts like hell.
4: It does. It does. And I've actually had it in the shoulder. Um, so we all have bursas, and horses included, and dogs and cats uh, all have bursas. And the bursas are like, to me, the best way to describe them, they're like little pillows of fluid that help protect your tendons and ligaments that are going moving around the edges of some sharp, bony areas, primarily at joints. And they fulfill the job of being a little extra cushion or shock absorber to the tendon and bone interface so that they don't rub right on top of each other. So if you're doing repetitive work, repetitive work, i.e. tennis, or for me, shoulder work with either dentals or um, up and down with passing a tube into a horse's nose and things like that, or let's say reproductive checks. I won't really say how we do them, but the reproductive checks. (laughs) We all know. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it, you can it's get, not you system. know, shoulder um, injuries as well. So it's repetitive movement over and over, concussive movement over and over that causes the bursa to, you know, it deflates and inflates and deflates and inflates as it's as it's kind of protecting those areas. And that will cause inflammation and irritation. And that inflammation and irritation is the itis, the bursitis side of it, that will swell, and that little pillow doesn't have much skin abilities as well. And as it swells, it hurts. So we always put a little steroid in those, right? In the tennis elbow to make it feel a little bit better. And then you can go back and play your tennis game.
3: All right. So let's take that to the horse then. So, uh, the, the navicular bone is a bone that explain what I just always felt like if we just didn't have navicular bones, nothing bad would happen, but we (laughs) kind of need a
4: necessary bone though. Yes. That would be a problem if we would get rid of it. The navicular bone is underneath the heel, would be my best way to describe it, or the backside of the heel of every horse and every leg. We have one in our hand, and it is a great interface for the deep digital flexor tendon to run over it and go down and attach underneath the coffin bone. So that's your last soft tissue per se, item coming down the leg, the final attachments really underneath the hoof. So the bursa is protecting the navicular bone Mm. and the deep digital flexor tendon from rubbing against each other. And it's the pillow or cushion between there is my best way to describe it to my clients. And that navicular bone on the bottom side has two little kind of indentations to it, if you've ever seen the bone itself. And I silly as I am, I carry one around in my purse to show people. Um, <laughs> That's uh, okay, I'm just absorbing
0: has, that because that is something <laughs> I would expect you to do. Do you have the whole skeleton in there, too? Is it a big purse? Um, well,
4: you know, I would if I had a big enough purse, but I don't like to carry big purses, so okay. no, I don't right. have the whole skeleton. Is there any but, other you know, parts
0: could... we should know about you carrying there?
4: Yeah, what else you got in there? I mean, geez. <laughs> Imagine no, somebody steals like her purse tools and 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 things like that for my husband, but we won't we won't go down that road. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> but imagine somebody runs
3: up and they're like they purse nab, you know, they grab it off her shoulder and run, and they get to their little corner and they open it up and it's like a bunch of bones. <laughs>
4: yeah, that <laughs> like, would be gross. That'd be the last time just... they snatch my
3: purse, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so go ahead. So so you've got this navicular on your purse. It's got two indentations on it.
4: Right, and that is an area where the deep digital flexor tendon kind of runs down underneath. It, it provides a nice little curve, and that's the curved part down by the heel that goes underneath the foot, and, and that gives you your extension and flexion of that coffin bone. It, it's a very, very active area. So the horses have to have that. Um, if we go back to our physics of the seesaw, you know, you got to have that little piece in the middle of the seesaw, so the seesaw rocks back and forth. I'm simplifying it, so please don't take that literally, but it, you need to have a piece of a bone or structure to help the seesaw move back and forth. And so that's kind of, uh, I guess, a good way of looking at the navicular bone is it's kind of acting as not a seesaw truly, but it's acting as the solid area between and the back side of the heel. It's a fulcrum. The it's a, yeah, it's a like a fulcrum, fulcrum, fulcrum between the hoof and the um, cannon bone. Um, it's, that, I'm very much simplifying that, very, very much simplifying it. So, um, so it's a necessary bone that's there. And then the bursa is right with it. So over time, it can get inflamed and get irritated, and this is something that, since we've all talked back in the days, we have now some great medicines out for the navicular bone.
3: Question: and, Let know, me stop you there. Let me stop you there. Why would the navicular bursa get inflamed or irritated or hurt? What causes that?
4: Well, that's great because I was heading that way. I'm so oh, bad sorry. Yet. Well, that's okay. The, the bone um, can get inflamed or irritated. We have great medicines now for that since we've, you know, last talk, like I said, but um, when the bone may be very, very healthy, it may not have any issues, but if the horse is doing a lot of landing low on the heel, uh, sliding in the heel, um, going up and down hills in the heels I'm trying to describe different disciplines here that you might be recognizing, um, that heel is getting a lot of jarring, and that burst is getting a lot of inflate, deflate, inflate, deflate going on. So the inflammation that occurs in there is for trying to protect the bone and the deep gel flexor tendon. And again, since we've really looked at this area more scrutinizing with drugs that are out and things like that, we have found out that our x-rays only show us the bone. We don't get to see the burst on the x-rays. So we're now ultrasounding more and more to look at the bursa, but there's only so much you can see on a regular ultrasound from the back of the heel because the hoof wall is kind of blocking our view. So MRI came about, and it's been a wonderful tool to look at that bursa bone interface and the bursa deep digital flexor tendon interface. And I'm just naming those three structures. There's other structures. uh, There's other ligaments back there too as well. But those three things we try to put blame on when we have a horse limping in the front end usually, not in the back end, usually it's a front end problem because they bear so much weight on it. And sometimes the horse is uh, maybe a little undershod in the back heel area. They're a little underrun. That puts a little more pressure on it too. Some of these abandoned horses that we saw during the recession that didn't have their feet done for a long time tended to grow a long toe and have low heels and they were getting more concussion forces just walking around pasture and such. But really it's a high activity of like a reining horse jumping horse, uh, not so much a dressage horse, um, but an endurance horse or competitive trail riding horse going up and down hills that they're putting a lot of stress and strain.
3: Would something like this also come from genetics?
4: They are scrutinizing that idea, but it seems to be more bony than Versa. Okay. It seems to be more trauma.
3: Gotcha. Okay. So what do you do with it? And if you, the, okay, so I know you're going to say you inject it. You've talked, you said that you <laughs> inject it, but, if you is this one of the things that if you inject it, it needs it all the time and or is this like a one-shot we help we fixed it?
4: Depends on the situation. So there are some during the recession that did not see a failure because of monies. Once we got them into proper shoeing and back on a regular schedule, we injected it once and never saw them again. Okay. Those that have consistent problems are those that have some hoof Wall development problems, and I don't mean that they're, you know, um, they're they're the problem child of the farrier world. How's that? And so the farrier has a challenge of trying to keep that hoof wall and heel area in a sufficient amount to keep them off the heel bulbs and overusing the navicular area of the bursa and the bone, those horses may need more injections as well as their increased use. So they're a wonderful jumper. They're increasing their jumping height. They're a wonderful eventer. They're moving up the levels. They're a wonderful rainer. They're increasing their spins and their slides. You know, things like this, This, those horses that are going to ramp up because they're a good horse may need more help down the line on the bursa. It is an encapsulated area.
3: Gotcha. So basically, uh, you know, if you're going to use your horse, you're going to have to perform maintenance on it, which is kind of what we all need to remember about horses too, is that the more you use them, I mean, a professional football player is not just going to wake up in the morning and go about hit the field and go right back to bed. I mean, they, they, you know what I mean? Like they, they need, they need therapy And so this is a therapy. Would something like this deter you from buying a horse?
4: Oh, if it had a history of navicular bursa, yes. I would say I'd be hesitant to purchase that horse if you're planning on making an active show or competitive horse. If you said, love this horse, he's had a great life, but all I want to do is trail ride, which we've had a few people do that. Even in Wellington, they've had a pre-purchase on a horse up here who is a show horse down there, but they just want a nice-looking horse to ride around in Wellington. It's all about. And the horse they just right now. have
3: too much money to spend, <laughs> so they just decide.
4: <laughs> a trail riding just, horse would be perfectly fine for that. So it just depends a on the. Ron-free jumper trail rider.
3: That's where I want to put my money.
4: Do you know what? I've sold horses like that <laughs> <laughs> to a trail riding woman. So you know, our man—it doesn't have to be a woman—but it's 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 interesting. But it's wonderful because the use of the jumper is is no longer usable in the competitive world. And so some of those just get kicked out in the pasture and never looked at again. At least it's going to be used. So yeah, I figured that that's not a bad gig to have—is be on a trail and be spoiled by your owner.
3: I have a question. This has been fascinating. Thank you for describing that and making us all just terrified of one more thing that can happen to our horse, Dr. Jones. We appreciate it. Um, <laughs> now, was your clinic, Florida Equine, the one that saved that horse that was kicked out of the trailer on the freeway?
4: We were a part of that. Yes, it was a team. It was definitely a team, and that's a Highway. Highway's wonderful. We actually saw Highway yesterday for just some general vaccinations. Do
3: you, you remember do that,
4: Glenn? Yeah, I
3: do. Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, he's fantastic. Yes, yeah, he's doing fantastic. Fantastic. Loving his life at the rescue.
3: Oh, bless his heart. Yeah. So for those who don't remember, Highway was a horse that was, did he get out or he fell out or something? Somebody they were driving down 75 and he fell out of the trailer and the people just like left him there on the freeway yeah. so uh, y'all took care of him your clinic took care of him and you were involved in that and and um yeah glad the, he- uh,
4: yeah the story was is that he was heading off to slaughter heading off to a kill pen and he
0: said no way in hell I'm going there I'm out
4: exactly so he <laughs> he rigged his escape and got no <laughs> i think the door flew open he went out the back side he said I'm jumping bystanders said they saw they so. kidnapping I, me
0: i'm out of here <laughs>
3: every time i see a truck with gals and or chickens in it i'm like you guys run <laughs> run <laughs>
4: <laughs> too funny too funny yeah no he's wonderful he's wonderful but one more note about your navicular bursitis just, yes. just throw it in okay. again plantar fasciitis that we have on our feet we want to wear some good shoes make sure you have a good farrier Anything that's involving the foot, navicular, navicular bursitis, club foot, anything, it's up to the farrier to keep them comfortable in between these therapies that we
3: do. then, Then, since I have another minute or two, I'll ask you, how do you find a, like, how do you, Okay. So you've got this list of farriers and all the names. And I kind of had to deal with this moving to Oklahoma from Arizona. Dr. Jones says I had this list of farriers and I'm like, I don't know who's good and who's not. So what I went with was a woman who's certified journeyman. To me, that means she at least had some education. What do you recommend asking of your farrier to make sure you have a good one? Like, how do you know?
4: Certified journeyman is great to have, but not every single farrier will have that. So it's hard to find those in some pockets of the world. So I usually tell my clients, ask who your neighbors use, all of them, not just one, all of them. If they give you multiple different names, fantastic. Then ask a friend or ask your vet and then have them out and go from there. But, yes, if you can find one with a little bit of knowledge base or certified journeyman behind their name or schooling they went to, that would be great to know.
3: Well, see here, Dr. Jones, I'm a farrier, and what I did was I worked with my cousin for three months, and I rode around with him, and uh, I just basically, you know, he taught me how to do it, and now
0: here I am, I got my own truck. <laughs> and well, I, and I'm not going to make I'll you answer that, so. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> the card, I'll look at the feet, and then I'll take <laughs> my own
4: opinion. But see, not everybody's, you know, adept at looking at feet, knowing that something's good or something's bad. So I always tell them, try to get a couple references If you've got a plumber at your house, you're going to get a couple references.
3: Ask your vet.
4: Just ask your vet. They know everything.
0: Florida Equine Veterinary Services. Florida Equine Veterinary Services. It's com. Thank you, Dr. Jones. It's been so good to hear your voice again.
4: It's great to hear you guys. You guys stay healthy. Stay care.
0: All right, take care. We miss you. Bye. Bye-bye. FloridaEquine.com is where you can find Dr. Jones. All right, let's continue on with our series on financial matters uh, from Trickery Wealth. And today we're going to talk about how how you can hand money down to your heirs in a more efficient way. Bring it. And then we're coming back. We have uh, Stanford Moore. He's actually coming on today. I confirmed it. I just heard from him. Uh, So Stanford's joining us from Black Rains Magazine, and we're going to chat with him for a little bit, too, about everything going on in the world. But right now, let's talk about money. We're excited to bring you another educational series here on the Horse Radio Network. This time, we're going to talk about finances with certified financial planner, Christina Kramleck of Chickory Wealth. As horse owners, finances are something that we are acutely aware of, and hopefully this series will help us better understand where we are and where we can go with our financial situation. Well, Christina, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about today at the beginning of this segment about banks you know one of the things people were concerned about and i was a little bit too uh at the beginning of the whole pandemic thing uh, probably a little less now but uh was that banks would you know go belly up kind of like they've done in the past and i know that your money in a bank has a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fdic insurance on it but i also heard that there's a workaround for that can you tell me about that
2: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I was intrigued to learn more about this recently, as uh, people have been asking about this. We've just been through such incredibly strange times in the last several months with so much uncertainty, and a lot of people are keeping cash available. And uh, yeah, I mean, your wealthier listeners may already know the FDIC maintains that $250,000 coverage limit on each account held at a single financial institution, which if you want to keep more of that on hand, might cause you some angst if you're trying to protect, you know, a lot of liquid assets and keep your cash accounts as organized as possible. So keep in mind that 250k limit includes every cash account, savings, checking, CDs, money market accounts. Um, there's a wrinkle though. There's one easy to use method to increase your total coverage limit and to about uh, or exactly. A 250 And that's called the payable on death designation. In essence, when you designate a bank account as payable on death, the person you've named will suddenly become the owner of the account once you pass away. They will not be entitled to any of the money in that account until that time, of course. But once you die, it's theirs, and their name is already on the account. This designation, which is also in some states known as the Toten Trust, Bypasses your estate and is even more powerful than your last will and testament. It's essentially a type of revocable trust because there's a beneficiary interest in the account already. And because of that beneficiary interest, the FDIC allows you to cover that big amount of a million two, two five zero at a single financial institution by designating up to five payable on death beneficiaries. None of those beneficiaries can be covered for more than the 250
0: K level individually. Well, so you would have, uh, basically you would have five co-owners on the account.
2: Well, they're not, co- or- right. They're, they're not technically co-owners while you're still alive. Gotcha. Okay. But they become beneficiaries of, of their portion of that account upon your death.
0: So it kind of works like a life insurance policy that way.
2: Uh, a, a little bit. It basically bypasses, your estate um, because they're already named on the account while you're living. These, these Toten trusts are sometimes called the poor man's trust fund because they're revocable trusts and they become irrevocable once you pass away. So for no paperwork or cost, they achieve many of the same net effects as a basic trust fund with the assets of the account skipping probate entirely. If you have a payable on death designation on an account, you cannot override them with a will. And this is a big deal. This means in practicality that if you name your daughter as the beneficiary on the account form, and then later you change your mind and you leave money to your son, or that money to your son in your will upon your death, your son is not going to receive anything from that account as the account is hers. The moment you pass away, secondly, As with everything estate planning oriented, it's really important to consider the recipient. If you're going to name somebody as the recipient of the payable on death account, you need to be able to be sure that that person can responsibly receive the money because if anything happens to you, that's exactly what's going to happen. It will be unrestricted. So if you're concerned about the habits of the beneficiary or you think your, their lives are unstable in any way, uh, or they could get sued or they they might have, might be too much too soon.
0: Or they're 18 and hitchhiking the world. It,
2: exactly. You want to look at a different way of doing it and maybe create a trust with a spendthrift provision. There's a lot of different ways to handle it. Um, so that's a whole other topic, but, um, but if you if you know that you want to provide that cash and and, um, and you have five people that you want to name, you can you can set that up pretty easily.
0: When, when you have a, a, a money in accounts in a bank like that, we, we basically refer to that as being in, in cash right? We right refer to it as cash because it's available. Um, should people be sitting with that much cash or should they be doing something with it instead now?
2: Comes down to the specific individual and it depends really on when you're going to need the money. I mean, at the moment, we seem to be having very strange disconnect between the real economy and Wall Street. You know, we're making a, the stock market is making a huge dramatic comeback, you know, for the most part in fits and starts but we're still learning what the ripple effects of the $10 million or um, 10 million or more jobs that were lost permanently, you know, what, how, how those people are going to be retrained and, and reallocated into the economy. So the ripple effects of those permanently lost jobs could be really broad. Those people right now are not driving cars to work. They're not paying for childcare. It's summertime. Anyway, they're not going to restaurants. They're not buying clothes or going on vacation. And, you know, We really still don't know what's going to happen over the next few months. Um, So companies are going to need to pivot and workers may need retraining. All this will take time. And of course, the social dislocation we're seeing might go on for a while, too. You know, this virus and the shutdown brought out big issues that we're going to have to grapple with and painfully. So with that as a backdrop, even with the economy recovering, I expect a lot of volatility in the stock market until at least the end of the year. You know, with that said, I still think there are pockets of opportunity opportunity for stable growth. And I think it's important to invest consciously and to know what you own. So what do you mean
0: by know what you own?
2: I mean that understanding where your money is going when you invest it is getting easier to do and more important to do. So at Chicory, we invest exclusively in the environmental social governance space, or ESG, and we've been doing that since before the firm even officially started. It's been a growing trend in the investment industry for the last few years, but the COVID-19 sell-off really accelerated the shift among investors to prefer companies that better manage sustainability risks. Basically, ESG investing takes into account not only the traditional financial metrics, but looks at a company's record relative to environmental issues, its relations with its stakeholders, including employees, customers, and the broader community in which they operate, as well as governance issues such as pay practices and diversity and leadership in the workforce. Um, An ESG lens teases out all kinds of risks that are not necessarily apparent when you look through the lens of conventional financial analysis. And many market observers believe that strong ESG performance indicates better management. So these types of management teams are more likely to be better adept at running many aspects of a company's business and should theoretically be better equipped to ride out a downturn and create long-term shareholder value. We've also found that individual investors are demanding ESG portfolios now, People want their portfolios invested in companies that they can get behind from a sustainability and governance perspective. For all these reasons, we think ESG as an approach is here to stay. Technological change, environmental imperatives, and long-term social norm changes, we think will keep corporate sustainability practices moving forward. Governments can slow it down or accelerate, you know, depending on policy changes, but they can't stop them. And these companies that fail to transform their business models will eventually be replaced by others that have more adaptive flexibility. So sure enough, during all the volatility of the first quarter, we saw that sustainable companies were able to provide a significant level of downside protection as far as stock performance. During that period, ESG leader companies in the S&P 500 outperformed the index by almost 9%.
0: I think after recent events more and more companies are looking to be more like that. This is more more prevalent than ever before.
2: It yes, I think I think everybody is on board and recognizing that it's time to wake up and and move in the direction of sustainability and accountability and transparency most importantly.
0: Yeah. Certainly most importantly. So where can people find you and how do they get a hold of you?
2: You can learn more about us at our website, com.
0: Very good. And of course, you can find all the past episodes that we've done, all the past segments that we have done. I think there's been four before this. So you can find those at slash planning. And there, are all the sound files are broken out there. You can go listen to them all in a row if you'd like. Thank you for joining us for our financial discussion today. These concepts are broad in nature and may or may not apply to you. The content is provided for informational purposes only. Please see your financial advisor or call Christina at chicorywealth.com to discuss your individual needs. That's chicorywealth.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. And now it's time to give Stanford Moore a call, who is the founder and editor at Black Rains magazine. And of course, Black Rains sends us guests once a month here on the show. And we've been doing that for a long time. Hey, is this Stanford? Yes. Yeah. How are you? It's Glenn and Jamie. Hello.
1: Doing good. How are you
0: doing? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. Are you talking directly into your phone, not on the speaker?
1: Yes, yeah, directly into my phone. Oh, actually, I am about to wash my hands. <laughs> I'm in the bathroom. Oh,
0: great, great. That's we always ask is. where you are, and usually you're driving on the highway around Atlanta, but today you're in the bathroom. That's perfect. Dude, See, I'm in the bathroom.
3: Maybe sometimes, because I was going to ask, where in the world are you, Stanford? You're always doing something. Uh, maybe don't answer it if you're in the bathroom. Yeah, you, can right. <laughs> you can lie. You can lie.
1: It's not that
0: bad.
1: <laughs> hey, it is a family call, right? That's right. That's right.
0: Well, Stanford, you know, I talked to you for we talked for what about an hour last week off air, and we had a great conversation. Apparently, since the the since all of this started happening, you've been a busy boy doing interviews, huh?
1: I have. I've been doing. A, I've done about ten interviews over the past two weeks.
0: And I think that's because, uh, if I got that right, people are searching African-American and searching equestrian, (laughs) and you're the only one that shows up. So uh, you're the one, you come to the top. Uh, So what kind of, what kind of, let me rephrase this, because we've had you on and we've talked about a lot of different things as far as diversity in the horse world, but what questions have surprised you the most or what's jumped out at you with these interviews?
1: Um basically the reaction i mean a lot of times um uh, i've had unique situations like um uh, i had one one caller ask me what's the biggest shock uh, that people ran into when covering or experiencing the black cowboy experience and i gave one example one example was uh I had a guy that was interacting with me back and forth as I started the publication and we were both doing research, uh, together. And, uh, over the years he was putting out a book of black famous, black Cowboys. And, uh, I was working on black range magazine. So he wanted to collab on the information and we would go back and forth on some research things I had posted. And, uh, I never met him and we dealt with each other for about two years. And I never met him. And, and he discovered black cowboys. He, he went to a black rodeo called Cowboys of Color out in uh, Fort Worth. And he, he wanted to go home and find out more because he was shocked how many black cowboys there were. So he went home and did some research and couldn't find much information. He had to really bog down and dig deep. It, it all goes back to black and white, like uh, Bill Pickett and stuff like that. So he, he called me and started asking me some questions about some things I was researching. And we dealt with each other for the years, and I, I, uh, a guy named um, uh, uh, Cleo Hearn that was putting on the Cowboys of Color Rodeo, he found Black Rings Magazine on the internet. He wanted to reach out to me. He called me, invited me out to his rodeo, and he's a veteran, one of the first black cowboys to go to uh, college on a rodeo scholarship. And so uh, he brought me out, gave me some VIP passes. I want to introduce you to a bunch of people. And this guy pulls up with a BMW. And uh, he said, Wow, Stan, I want to introduce you to a guy named Don Nelson. Don is covering us. He's one of our photographers. And uh, I want you guys to meet. And so Don looked at me like, Whoa, Stan for more. And I looked at Don. And I said, "Wow, Don Nelson! I never thought of him as being this little five foot five white guy (laughs) 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 covering the butt. And so we had never met, and he never looked at me as being some six eight tall, you know, guy. We just didn't fit each other. it was like, "What's up?" We hugged each other like we were talking to brothers. So we had been dealing with each other for so long and Don and Cleo said, I'm going to leave you guys to talk and I'm going to step off for a minute. I got to take care of things. So Don asked me this question. This takes me to this question. Don said, Stan, I've been covering all these black guys and black cowboys. I was so for sure that I would run into a whole lot of racial episodes or uh, discrimination. And over the years, he said, but I couldn't get none of these guys to say they had experienced those things. And I said, I laughed and said, <laughs> that's funny. I said, because when I sit down and talk to him, being a black guy, that's all I hear. Mm. Um, these veteran older guys. And I said, and he said, why is that? I said, we have been trained to say certain things around people we're comfortable with. Just my color alone makes them comfortable to talk freely. When they talk to you, they talk a different way. I said, and, and I said, Don, think about that. Most of the history that's been covered through the black cowboy, when you go back to black and white, it's all written by someone white, not black. That's just so you get a whole different experience. And he said, I never thought about that. I said, yeah, I say yeah, that's the two different experiences of me sitting down interviewing someone and him sitting down interviewing someone. And so I thought that was shocking because I never had thought about it until he brought it up.
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that because you know that I have a, uh, a black co-host for the one show I do called Finding Florida, and we travel all over the place. So we spend a lot of time in the car together, and we've both learned exactly what you just said. She you know she came from a point of view of having had issues being black and a woman and and an entrepreneur and all of that and she didn't understand that a lot of times in my case it was i didn't know what i didn't know you know i had never right. had the experience before just like you know in his case too we just didn't know because we've never had the opportunity to have the experience yes yes so how do, how, you know, we've had this conversation with you before on the show, but, you know, it might be, t- we have right. new listeners and it might be time to revisit it. How do we overcome <laughs> that? We don't have the experience because we haven't had the opportunity to have the experience. Uh, you know, we're trying to bridge that by, by doing interviews and, you know, having discussion about it here on this show. But, you know, obviously more has to happen. What has to happen? And is there an opportunity? Do more African Americans want to become horse people? You know, where's the divide there, and how do we overcome that divide?
1: Ooh, that's a load of questions. I know, like two or three questions. In one. I know that's why, that's why I gave so, it to you.
0: That's why I gave it to you, Stanford. That's why. Stanford, fix everything right now. Go <laughs> fix it all, Stanford.
1: <laughs> well, let me let me start by the first thing. I think what was the first part? So is, the, uh, the first part so is how do we? How yeah. do you? How do you? We understand how Each to other. communicate. Well, yeah. Well, okay this is the thing. I'll give you an example. This, this uh, father is a 60 something year old white guy. He adopted a black kid from Ghana. I think I'm just going to throw it out there. And I just, I think it's Ghana, but you'll get the point. He raised him. The kid is now maybe 27 years old. He became a farrier out in the hills of California somewhere. It's an all white environment. Um, And because of all this recent actions that's going on in the media with the George Floyd thing, he stopped and had a conversation with his son and said, son, have you ever felt uncomfortable or no, his son wrote a letter and he read that letter. And his son was explaining about his experience that he had never talked to his son about. He adopted the kid at five, never had that real conversation with him because he, you know, when you're raising a kid, you never think about it. It's just like, that's my kid. Yeah, you know right. I mean, it is what it is. Everybody loves him. He's a great, great personality. But he never stopped, that, stopped and got the black experience. And so he asked the kid, you know, he read the letter, and he said he was teary-eyed because he never knew his son went through a lot of challenges and, felt, and, and, and ran into situations of discrimination being a black fairy in an all-white mountain resort. It's a, it's a resort where they do mule hiking and all that. It's got a, like a t- 120 head of mule. And he wrote this op letter and is, is, uh, I think the letter is called a fairy, of wild black or something like that. And I have it and I posted it to my page. He reached out to me. He wanted me to publish that letter. And I did. And, uh, and he contacted me and said, can we have a conversation? This was just last week. And uh, he got to telling me about that experience. He said he was teary-eyed because he never knew his son face discrimination over the years. He never thought about it because he never had to wear that skin. And he took me back to days where he was a little boy. And he said he was raised in Arkansas. And his grandfather had taken him to a tree one day that I guess Ku Klux Klan or whatever had hanged a man and he witnessed it when he was a little boy, maybe 10, 12, 13 years old. Mm. He said, he well, he took him to that place and said, this was my, the first time I saw a hanging, a live hanging. His grandfather did. And I mean, this is a grown man that I've never met on the phone, maybe 30 minutes at that point, telling me this story and bursting out in tears and saying, I got to apologize. It's an emotional moment for me. I'm that same kid that's a grandkid of that in my family. And here I am raising a black kid that's probably not even accepted in my family. And it, it just brought him to tears that all those things that he was experiencing that he never got to, you know, well, he had chances to, but he never felt bold enough to just sit down and have a conversation. So. First thing is, you have to understand because of the history of our country, we do see color, and it's okay. But seeing color means stop and have a conversation. Like I do see a kid maybe handicapped, but it's because they're handicapped. Don't discriminate against them. Sit down and ask. Hey, it may what you're in a wheelchair. Oh man, how challenging is that? You know, can I help you in any way? It's the same thing. We see. Challenges among people and we see the way they're treated. We have to stop and have these honest conversations because these conversations can help you get to know people a little better. All right. What's the second part of that question?
0: I've forgotten now. That How was such a good answer. Your... I think you might have covered it.
1: <laughs> so. Okay. It is really is okay to see differences. It's okay because of the things in the media and we understand the history of our country to have a conversation with a black person. Like, man, have you ever? Tell me about it. Wow. I never knew that because then you will become intimate with your friends. I you become intimate with them to share these types of
0: stories. I think that's I think that's what I learned hanging out with Jemmy for a couple of years. I you know, it and it took several conversations for us each to learn a little bit about the other side, right? Um, right. You know, right. It, it took several it wasn't one conversation, it was several conversations. I mean, I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We had Amish and virtually no black people at all. Um, yeah, right. so I mean you know the Amish were discriminated against there you know that's where the discrimination yeah. was where I grew up um right. there was lots of it I mean a- against the Amish they were like total outsiders you know when I was growing up as a kid there so I learned about discrimination but it was from a it was a different group right uh, it's the right. same discrimination right. really when you think about it they were discriminated against in many ways um yeah. and it was all stereotypical Right. Yes, uh, They, they were is. all lumped in as the same, and I, you know, so discrimination is discrimination that way. So, what do you, uh, you know, we? Well,
3: let me just. Yeah. say, I'm from Atlanta, and I just so much of this is so over my head. Being <laughs> right. from 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 Atlanta, Atlanta. It,
1: it's just <laughs> right.
3: it's not a thing. You know, like yep. it, it's just
1: yeah.
3: it, it's just it's crazy. I it's I'm learning urban, while it's listening.
1: An, it's an urban city. That's why. Yeah, we are in a lot of urban cities around the country.
3: Yeah, so it's definitely interesting to hear Glenn talking about you know the 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 Amish and everything, and I just I don't have anything <laughs> to
1: compare it to. Right, it is. It's depending on what you raise. Give an example. I joined the army back in 1988, and so when I was in the army, I met a guy, my roommate in Germany. I got shipped off to Germany immediately, my first duty station. My roommate had never, ever, ever. Seen touch a black person in real life <laughs> until he's going to army. He's from wow. North Dakota. Wow, so I've never seen one
0: in person. Oh my god! I'll tell you I mean, what—it's got-
3: because black people are too smart to live in North Dakota. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but I'm, just, I'm
1: just telling you, there are people out there. My room, okay, give an example. My last job at uh, Microsemi, not Sydney, Micro Interfield Corporation, as an electrical engineer. Uh, my real good friend group, we hang out, go over to each other's house. But when I met his son for the first time, where was he living? He was out. I can't think of the name of that city in Ohio. His son had never seen a black person
0: what? in Ohio. When what? he
1: met me, he hugged his dad's leg. He had never seen a black person in person. His son was like five at the time.
0: Yeah, but let's be honest. You're six foot eight. You're not just a black person. You're like a very big one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, look, that's enough. Okay. Okay, (laughs) now you're getting personal because I have a different experience. Being a six foot eight black guy, it is, I do get looked no matter what. Stanford, let me ask Black you an honest,
3: let me ask you an honest <laughs> right. question. How many times right. in your life have they asked you if you're good at basketball?
1: Good God, I can go through that every single day. I bet. Are you? Are you good <laughs> at basketball, every Stanford? Everybody Yes, yeah, so I play basketball for the Army. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I used to be, I used to be, not now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I told Glenn,
3: too, you know, he's talking about how he gets looks when he goes out with Jemmy, who is our uh, producer, and she's an African-American woman with dreadlocks, and she's 5'2", right. and she goes, and Glenn's like, I get it, we get looks, and I'm like, stop it, I would look at you right. guys, but only because she's 5'2", <laughs> yeah, and
1: you're 6'4".
0: Absolutely, you know, I
1: would get looks with, look. with her.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. (laughs) She can walk under your legs. You're right. (laughs) Just
0: have the conversation. It's (laughs)
1: it's been an exciting week. I think um, it's a lot of diversity calls coming, and how do we fix this? And it's really no fixing. It's just acknowledging. I mean, we're, you know, we're all one people and, uh, you know, we all come with our different situations. Uh, You know, one of the things about the equestrian world is, you know, it's, 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 Really, a lot of class is built into it, you know, depending on what class of, of society you come from, makes it more accessible. It's, it's one of those things where you have, you have to have a lot of liquid money um, to be able to afford to do some of these equestrian sports. And so it, it can be out of range. But I always say, you know, to a willing parent, you know, give a kid an opportunity to make some choices, meaning... Sometimes I've given advice to a lot of different people to so a couple of my last calls that own barn. And they said, you know, how do we get more African-American kids involved in these sports? I said, basically giving them a dream. Um, a lot of young kids, I don't know a young kid in this country that wouldn't want a pony at the birthday party coming up. Well, that same love, that's where it starts as a kid. I gave her the advice that I said, you want to open the door and open the mind up of a young kid. Take those big, beautiful horses of yours, not maybe maybe not one of your competitive horses, but something you ride for leisure. Take it to a school like I do. Every year I go to my son's school. I work it out with the administration. I take my horse. I ride my horse to the school. I ride the horse to the school. A time out front, the kids come. They line up. I put them on the back. They take pictures, and they go back to class. With the whole new, you know, this is Atlanta. So, you know, it's, 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 we're talking urban cities that are not so accessible to barns and farms and, you know, land. So this is a big deal. Once a year for my, my buddy's birthday, he decides that he wants to make it uh, a tour through the city on horseback. And so he gets about five of us real good friends. We'll do about 30 miles on horseback, just taking it through the inner city so we give kids an opportunity to run outside of their communities and line up, and we, we walk them around with the parents' approval. We walk them around uh, and give them all a little pony ride. I How want your do horse.
0: That? Yeah, I want your horse, man, too. It's <laughs> <Is> that bomb-proof. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, my my horse is so bomb-proof, I can walk him on the yellow line with a fire truck and a, and a cop car coming on both two different directions that he won't move. My horse is bomb bomb proof. Before a kid could do that. Yeah. And we're talking a big horse. I had seventeen two hand paint. I mean, he's a big, big horse, but he's so laid back I could put any six kids on his back and turn him loose in the past. They go.
0: Now I'm going to ask you the tough question. You've done these interviews and uh, you know, to be honest, we've been here before in the past too. Do you think that you're, do you think this time is different that we're going to see some lasting change or do you think we're going to be back here again in five years?
1: You know why it's lasting change? Think about the riots in the cities and marching with Martin Luther King. Most of the time you saw big groups of black people. Well, this time, if you look at these, uh, uh, protests and all that, you see a diverse culture of people. I think yeah, for the first time, this is one thing about one thing about the images of slavery that a lot of people just don't want to acknowledge. It's easy to look at a photo and quickly skim by it. It's easy to look at a photo. And you imagine getting arrested and the guy's accused of murder and they push that image in front of that person. And that person is like, ah, they look away from it real fast. But it's another thing to watch a man die right in front of you. It's, an, it's, it's serious. I mean, when I say that thing hit me to the core, uh, to see a man with a knee in his neck and dying live. Uh, it, it will affect you almost like you pulled the trigger. And so I think it affected the human side of a man, a father, a son down there dying. The human side really connected with a lot of people and said, we have to do better as a society. And so when you see those people in the streets, I think that is a telling point that something changed. It changed from the riots of the 60s and the marches and protests of the 70s. It did. It's a multicultural people all around the world saying, you know what, as humans, as society, we have to really think about this and do a little better. If we've been policing a little too aggressively, where where did that begin and how do we fix it? Uh, because I don't think any cop, there's so many good cops, like as cultural people, white and black, there's so many of us doing the right things. It only takes one or two of us to create this blanket image that we're all bad. And so I don't think all cops are bad, I don't. But I also think it needs to be acknowledged even from the top, there should be consequences and there should be a a reevaluation of when when the cops come out of the academy. We have to approach them and get them early and start looking at these things a little different and say, you know what? We have to become where I grew up. When I grew up in my own community, um, growing up, we knew the police officers, they lived in our community. There was a time that police officers, you know them on a first name basis and a cop could say, hi, Jerry. Hi, Stanford. Hi, Glenn. They knew you. They watched your kids grow up. And so there's a personal relationship. So when you see a kid doing wrong, it's like, hey, Jimmy, come here. Did your father know you're down here? Stop hanging with those kids and get your butt home right now. Busted. That's the type of policing that we need. And so there, something changed this time. And I think hopefully the, the police reform will get back to community serving, protecting it and policing.
0: That's well, my take. Well, I think, I think uh, obviously uh, uh, we, we love having you guys on and I got to tell you, Stanford. Stanford for president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that's a start, and it's just my opinion. It doesn't reflect anybody else's opinion, but Stanford uh, wouldn't fit through
0: the hall doors at the White House with his cowboy hat on. They'd have to raise all the doors. <laughs> <laughs> Stop yeah, probably, for Stanford. I'll bring so. you <laughs> in. I'm right
1: no, in. No, no, no. I think I think the conversation starts there. We have to all look at each other, give each other a big old hug, and shake your hands and say, "What's your name?" My name is Stanford. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Glenn. How well, are you doing? Come on, let's sit down and eat.
0: I, w- I want to <laughs> thank you for something. You uh, For what, over a year now, we've been having guests on from Black Reigns Magazine that you set up all the guests. You're yeah. the one that book them all. And we get right. more comments on your guests saying what terrific guests they are than probably any other guests we have. <laughs> and I have to tell you that we we did the girl who she was like 13 years old, and I wish I could remember her name right off the top right now. Um, oh, man.
1: So many. You know I, I who I'm talking about? Name. A couple months ago, oh, yeah, yeah, the last one, yeah, yeah.
0: She was the best teenage guest we've ever had. When when we get booked in a guest that's a teenager, we both cringe because a lot of times they they clam up when you get in an interview. I right. told oh, Glenn, right. no
3: kids, no kids. Oh, she, oh, Jamie,
0: always <laughs> says no kids, no kids. And when she finds out there's a kid coming on, she like freaks. She yells at me. Uh, but right. that was one of the best kid guests we've ever had. <laughs> so, Right. Yeah.
1: Oh, I was handpicked though. I hand-picked her because I knew she would do well. i yeah. follow her, and she's, she's been prepped well. So, yeah.
3: I trust Stanford more than Glenn, okay? Let me just throw
1: that out there again. Stanford, <laughs> oh, I got president. another one. Wait for your next guest. This, it's, she's going to blow you away.
0: I, awesome. I wish you,
1: I could tell you, but I'm, I'm going to surprise you again. Oh, you're going to be blown away by the next one as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm glad... Well, we've been... It's not the first time we've had this conversation is the thing. We've been having it yeah, for... A, right. You know, we've been having it for right. a couple of years here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we are still continuing the conversation. I think we need to. Um, yeah, we do. And that it needs to continue to happen. I know that one of our listeners... I can't say much more about this, but she teaches... Uh, she teaches uh, kids of color. And that's her whole class right. is kids of color. And she's also you know, a rider and she's, we're putting together, hopefully if we can get it together, we're kind of putting a scholarship program together to get those kids riding lessons. So a way of just exposing them to horses and then the ones that want to do it can do it. But I think it's, it's just going to take programs like that all over the country. And, and you know what, it's what you said earlier. It's, it's not even a black white issue. It's an opportunity issue. I don't care whether you're black white or you're, uh, you're Asian or whatever you are. You know, there's another group that haven't had much exposure to horses, right? Uh, The Asian population. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So if we can find ways to give more kids opportunities, no matter what color they are or what ethnicity they are, that's going to just benefit the horse world as a whole.
1: It starts with, and I tell everyone, and I said the biggest way to have that immediate impact on a mass group is a school field day. Just take your horses out school field day and yeah. i'm telling you it'll be an experience that most kids won't get the opportunity you have one there's be one setting where you can affect a lot of people at the same time
0: and schools are diverse they and, are, and kids and, and, and the but, more we're kicking horses out of cities even carriage rides and stuff uh you know kids are not going to have an experience to even see a live horse ever ever uh, yeah. ever yep well stanford where can people find you and and what you do
1: well, the thing about people and uh, this publication is we're doing a whole... I'm having my site flushed out right now and revamped, so look for a lot of content. But if you want to join an interactive community, come to Facebook.com. You go to Facebook.com forward slash Black Rain. We have over 20,000 followers there. The same with Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us at, at Black Rain's Mag. And come join the community. You will find out a lot about African-Americans and their impact in the equestrian community, farm, ranch, all things equestrian. Uh, So we would love to have you to come join in the conversation. It's open. Uh, 75% of my followers are white, and most people are shocked by that. Uh, But uh, one thing we all have in common, and that's the horse. We love it, and we love each other in this one loving community. Come in, join, bring your comments. We would love to hear from you.
0: And we're going to get to meet you at some point, one of these days.
1: We are. We are. <laughs> anytime you're on the um, come over. I know Jamie, when she comes back to Atlanta, we do lunch or something.
0: There you go. Uh, so, yeah, sure. That sounds good. You two will be quite a pair. I want to see that picture. She's also 5'2". Oh, that's going to be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> She's,
1: oh, it's going to be so funny. It is. It is. <laughs> Thank you, Stanford. Absolutely. Thanks, Stanford. Anytime, anytime you guys want me to come on, just shoot me a text and we'll make it happen.
0: All right. All take right. care. Looking forward to the next guest. All right.
1: Have a good evening.
3: If only I'd have stayed in Atlanta for more than three hours last time. I-
0: yes. <laughs> you need to see Sanford sometime. I saw a video of him doing an interview with a bunch of cowboys. And Stanford with his cowboy hat is probably seven foot two. So these, and cowboys that ride Bronx and stuff tend to be shorter. They're not real tall, a lot of them. So it, it was a sight to see him. He, he did power over everybody in the interview. Uh, he says he's quite a sight when he gets out of his Porsche in the community uh, with his cowboy <laughs> hat and his cowboy boots (laughs) I bet he is what a nice guy though I'm glad we met him years ago well thank you everybody for joining us we really appreciate you joining us during the silly times and the serious conversations that we have here we try and have both uh, but we try and do them in a respectful way and we hope you appreciate that now Uh,
3: remember I have a dilemma that I'll try to just give you the auditors after the show just a few minutes of it because I know we've run really long and y'all are probably
0: they'll uh, listen they want to hear what you they love your dilemmas
3: (laughs) Oh, it's this insane. is it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Not gonna lie, but I can't talk about it on the show because Glenn won't let me.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what it is, and I won't let her. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to y'all uh, tomorrow. Is Fox Hunting Day, and then on Friday we'll do some really bad ads. So look for it then.
3: Bay Neuter Guild.
0: Good show. I felt like we had uh, two old friends on the show today. You know, just it was like old friends day for us. I like that. It was fun. I love Stanford. He's so honest about everything and uh, makes it understandable. I like him. And Doctor Jones, I mean, just nice to hear her voice again (laughs) after all this time. And I love having her on because she and others will get this. She actually gets us. You know, some of the veterinarians we have on when it's their first time, they're kind of taken aback because it's us. <laughs> so, uh, she- I,
3: I think at some point they just need to remember we're all horse people. Yeah. The other vets. <laughs> but Dr. Jones gets it. She had <laughs> years it. of us. Yeah. But hey, I, all, 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 what the hell did you do now? I didn't do anything. This is actually kind of serious. And I oh. can't talk about it on the show because I don't know if they're going to listen. But I have a horse in training here. Um, when Keep, I was, tra- l- let I, me
0: clarify this. Keep in mind that people can share this if they want to. So,
3: well, now you just made me not want to talk mm. about it at all. Oh, uh, um, okay. How do you broach to somebody that they may need to work on some core strength before they? ride their 4-year-old adopted race.
0: Okay, so some let's just generalize it. Somebody's out of shape.
3: Somebody's out of shape and something happened last night where the horse moved I I, I don't know and they what didn't happened. She did not move along. <laughs> she did not move along and she ended up on the ground. I had to call like emergency EMT, 911, oh. all that kind of stuff because her shoulder dislocated and she was on the ground and I feel like Maybe this is a,
0: a strength. I issue. mean, it's
3: a really, really nice, quiet four-year-old. But they still adopted a four-year-old racehorse and then sent it to me for training, mm. and I'm supposed to uh, train this well. horse. <laughs> and um, yeah, well, it didn't go well last night, and now I'm stuck with the. You know what? Y'all just don't share this, okay? Just let me blanket that. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say because it is a really nice horse. I can't, I and they sent it to me for training. They really and it's really quiet and well, really I, good. But I don't know a, that.
0: This is a general question because we've had it before. Is you know. Ha- whether it's a core strength issue or just they're not good riders, uh, well, how no, do you?
3: They, they rode when they were younger, but they have office jobs and and desk jobs mm. and not very. They, they live more of a sedentary lifestyle and
0: like most of I, us. Yeah, I mean to be honest. Yeah, <laughs>
3: but the the all of us ride, and yes. now you're getting back into riding when maybe you're not at your fittest. Like you know,
0: yeah, maybe
3: really you know, and and your late forties. And you're very unfit and, and you want, yeah, I, I understand your heart's in it to want to go forward and, and have those dream horses and ride on trails with your husband and, and you together. But there has to be a level of somewhat of a level of fitness to be able to to do any, like you need to have some core strength. I just, I don't know how to talk to the people about this. I mean, granted she's in the hospital right now. She should probably be home by now. But like, I I mean, when she comes back to me, I I
0: like, you know, and uh,
3: why were you? Number one, why were you riding your horse last night? by yourself you know which with, is the first I'm, rule we and never didn't allow tell that. me yeah. no no and and it said it said she was coming with her husband and they may ride and i was like okay cool and then she texted me okay i'm on my way and i was like okay cool and her husband wasn't but, there like, Nobody was there. She got on her horse. Something happened. And now it's, uh, you know, and she's really embarrassed and she was apologizing profusely, but she's on the ground. I'm calling 911. I have to like have the people 911 in my house last night, like nine o'clock at night uh, because of these bad decisions that were made. And also, um, I I don't know what happened, but like. It's not, it's it's just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Uh, clearly, I'm very frustrated. And I just told Chad, he was like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to ask the auditors in the post show what I should do. What are <laughs>
0: right, you do? Let me qualify this and say auditors, do not talk about this in the auditor room, because that can be screenshotted. So uh, yes. email Jamie at jamie at com. That's the best oh. way at this point, or private message her on Facebook. But yeah. I, I we'll delete any posts that are put in the auditor room about this, just because I think it. We don't want to embarrass so this woman sensitive. either. Yeah, it's uh, so
3: sensitive, and she's already really yeah. Embarrassed, she's feeling so embarrassed so already.
0: But I I get it. I get what you're saying. I mean, even if it's you know, it's just a strength it's, issue. It's, yeah, my
3: job is just to train the horse, but you still feel obligated to help the people. And, and what,
0: I mean, fundamentally, it's the wrong horse for this person at this time. I mean, that's probably uh, yeah. true
3: too. And 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 they can't. I mean, it may not to be to in two them.
0: years, but for now, it's the wrong horse for this person. When they
3: came to see the horse. It was I, was, I was at my house and they came and rode the horse. And I was like, this is went, went very poorly. And so I, they didn't take the horse. And so, um, apparently they kept looking and they kept thinking about him and they went back and adopted him. And the facility oh, when he was back
0: at him. the, uh, yeah, when uh, he was back
3: at the, and I told her everything and she told them if they were to adopt him, they had to send him back to me for training. But so, so I get the horse back and so he's getting more training. He's getting worked, you know, uh, uh, every day. Um, but the, the dilemma is how can I get the people to also go into training? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Because, and as we've talked about before, it's usually both that need training, not just the horse.
3: <laughs> no, exactly. And she she wants to come back for lessons and everyone wants to be very involved and I get it. But there is a, we're not, I'm not like, we're not a little past. It's pretty far past where uh things mm-hmm. could be if you know what i mean mm-hmm. like so I, i'm just I'm, it's just mm, i don't know what to do i don't know what to do
0: but i don't know what to do either
3: do i just say hey this i can't help you because you won't help yourself oh. or do i talk to them about it or do well, I just you know leave what alone and
0: she to might she might have made this easy for you because now could be a time that you would say how about and just approach don't i wouldn't say anything about what you just said i would just say to her uh how about uh as you start to get back to riding you're out of your cast or whatever um that we do some lessons along with the riding and 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 we i i deal with both of you at the same time no no
3: no i and that is on the docket so so she's going to i with with training i give them two free lessons but it was going to be at the end of the month i didn't know she was going to come out pop out and ride the horse by herself uh I I shouldn't have made it even well, her And that me should on. never
0: happen anyway. Period. Uh, it
3: I, it shouldn't. Um, yeah. and, and 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 they want to take lessons and continue to take lessons, but the problem is like right now I it's just it, it's just it's, I'm set up to fail, man. I'm set up to fail. Which
2: just... I
3: don't know what to do. You don't have to you're a man, you're going to try yeah. to solve the problem. I get it. Yeah, I don't know. No, no,
0: not actually. People
3: listening to yeah so but i'm trying to
0: think what would jennifer do
3: well, why don't you go ask her and send me a private message? Okay,
0: I will. Because <laughs> she's I been, mean, you know, obviously in that position so before.
3: Nice and so sweet and so caring, and so they love this horse and they really wanted to have, the, have they have this picture in their head of them just hopping on their horses and riding out. But when they came to see me and I saw them ride, I was very honest and I said, "What you guys need to get is a twenty-year-old, you know, been there, done that trail horse." And yeah. she's like, "No, we want to adopt a uh, thoroughbred." Well, and then a four-year-old, I, 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 and again, the horse is super quiet, but it was it was a bad situation that she put herself in, made a lot of bad decisions, and she knows it, and she's horrified, and she's super embarrassed, so please, again, do not spread this out there. I, I'm coming to y'all just for some personal advice, and, and this is why I do it after the show, because only a handful of you guys listen to it, so um, let me know if you got
0: anything. Sounds good. All thanks. right, sounds good. <laughs> Again, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Yeah. All right, thanks, everybody. We appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one. Be safe. All right,
3: y'all. Love you, mean it. Bye. And
0: go do your core workout. Oh, I won't apparently. be back
3: till like Monday or Wednesday, by the way.
0: Oh, that's right. You're going, uh... Oh, give it one last plug for the auditors, how they can find those videos and, and be part of this weekend.
3: The movement 2020.com. Go check it out. I, but I'm because there's only one flight a day to Santa Barbara from Phoenix and one flight a day from Dallas. I'm going to try to get to Dallas or to Phoenix at least on Friday and then hopefully Hopefully I can get all the way and on then Friday, hitchhike? but if not, I can hitchhike the rest of the way. From Phoenix, it's a 12-hour, 11-hour drive. So I could do that um, if I need to rent a car in Phoenix, or I could fly to LA, which is a three-and-a-half-hour drive. Yeah,
0: we drove that before from LA up.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've with traffic
0: being less, it should be better. <laughs> so hopefully. Yeah.
3: I don't think you're ever not going to hit it in LA. But yeah, I've done that too. So I'm just, I've am just, i got it give myself some more options to get there because I can't
0: no you can't up. miss it <laughs> because no. you
3: remember I fly on standby you're so. also
0: like the co-host so of the event so yeah I
3: can't <laughs> miss it so um so I'm, I'm the movement2020.com
0: is how you can watch live videos and and check out everything that's happening with Jamie and Monty and all the gang there so definitely uh sign up for that
3: oh my gosh please y'all don't share anything my oh, stomach hurts that I even brought that up now uh I think can, maybe it just
0: we can trust our so. group <laughs>
3: <sighs> okay love right, you guys see Bye. you bye